0: Y'all can be seated. Do you mind if we just kind of keep the Holy Spirit pads going on for a little bit? Thank you. Uh, it always helps a little bit, makes us feel poetic. Hey, it's an honor to get to be uh, in this house. Uh, what? What? What'd you say? Oh, got you. It was hard to see. Uh, I tend to have a big head sometimes. So, um, hey, we're just so honored that we get to be in the house uh, with you all. If you don't know who we are again, uh, this is my beautiful wife, Becca. I am Josh. Uh, we get the honor of being pastors, but more than anything else, I like to just say, I am your Asian brother from another mother, okay? Uh, this is how we're going to be known in heaven anyways, so uh, this is the beauty of it. But I know my wife, she yeah. uh, wanted to let us, or let you all in a little bit on yeah. just who we are and yes. what's going on. Yes, so
1: you heard my parents. I am the firstborn. Zach was the second one. Everyone thinks he's older. He is not older. <laughs> But he is my older brother, and he plays that role really well in different moments. He'll be like, this is an older brother moment. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Um, So yeah, anyways, my husband and I pastor young adults at Victory Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You can put the first picture up, Cherry of young adults if you have it. Oh, that's our family. That is Freddie Calm, our dog. And Josh and I, I wanted to show him cause he's huge. He's like a hundred pounds, he's a ball of fur and love. He's at their house right now, so fun. You can go to the next picture. Yes, so this is actually the night that we were announced that we were both doing young adults. And um, we pastor about 200 young adults every Thursday night at Victory in Tulsa, ages 19 to 30. Yes, oh my word, guys, they are so hungry, so fun and live, like it is, it's such a fun time. You can jump to the next one. Okay, yeah, so that's a good kind of wide picture of the room, but I'm telling you, most of them also, it's kind of funny, are young professionals. Most of them did not go to college or are not in college. They're just literally like already making money, you know, in their professional job, just coming to a young adult night and they just sit there and they're so hungry and it gets me so excited for our generation. And so I know that's something that we wanted to kind of highlight today and talk about because every generation matters. And this generation of Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, is that the next one?
0: Gen A. Alpha. Yeah, Alpha. Gen A, sorry.
1: Gen X was before us, right? (laughs) Anyways, my goodness, God is doing awesome things for those that are on fire for him, that are genuinely like in love with him and that are like, okay, God, here's my life and do something with it. So yeah, that's a little bit of our background.
0: Yeah, anybody love Jesus in the room, give me a, oh yes, come on. We have some beautiful lovers of the word. So hey, we're going to pray, we'll jump into it, uh, and believe in God's going to do something incredible. God, we say thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. God, we thank you that you are uh, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That, that you are our savior, you are our redeemer, restore our guider, sustainer, God, that you are our breakthrough, that you are our provision, that Jesus, more than anything else, you are our abundance in the room. God, I'm praying that we simply just learn more about you this morning as we do, that we get to see through the perspective to through the eyes of God more than how we've developed our perspective here on this world. So, Lord, Thank you for the sign that we're going to be a living sacrifice and an opportunity. We get to edify the church. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Well, uh, I'm all good now. Thank you so much. I'll call you back whenever a sign to pop back up here. Isn't it incredible? Anybody enjoy worship in this place? Yeah. Come on, worship is phenomenal. And uh, like she said, and uh, if, if you saw my Asian mother stand up, she's 100% Asian, okay? okay. Uh, so she is full blood Thai. I am half Thai, half Burmese. Uh, and both
1: those flags are in here, by the way. The Burmese flag is over here, and the Thai flag, we found it. Where is the Thai one? It's in the back. Yes. Over here. Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. She's full Thai. And half Burma, half Thailand.
0: Yes, and so my late father, who passed away 10 years ago, but an incredible man of God, uh, who just brought the gospel wherever he went, and uh, being a half or I guess 100% Asian person, half Thai, Burmese. I was born in Chicago uh, until the age of two. At the age of two, my family and I, we moved over to the Philippines. Just kind of setting uh, President here. Moved there for about four years. Um, And at two years old, you don't remember anything, right? Anybody else remember what they saw at two years old? How they felt at two years old? Anybody remember looking forward to taxes at two years old? No, exactly. And so at two years old, you don't remember anything. But coming back, I remember I was six years old, And as we were flying back, we flew into Seattle. Now, if you've ever been to Seattle, you know that it is just five days of sun and the 360 other days, it's cloudy. And when we went there at that time, it was during the winter, so there was uh, snow on the trees. And while there was snow on the trees, my first thought coming back to America, and I remember my mom, she talked about this this past weekend, she said that, Josh, when you first landed to America, you said this out loud, you said, wow, I now know what America looks like. It has no trees, or it has no leaves. All the trees are white. America has white trees. And I was like, you know, right, and I was like six years old and my mom was like, oh, you're so sweet, you can go to sleep now, right? And then, then there's something about this perspective. I'm about the perspective of what I first saw And and since then, obviously, as I grew older, I realized that there are seasons and there's different colors and snow is here and there. But there is something about when you first see something, it it is huge into the world view that you have of something. My first exposure to America was I saw there was snow on trees. So I thought that every tree in America was white. But when it comes to us and our worldview, and as we've gotten older, we can understand that there's different seasons, there's different moments, right, as as trees go by, as weather goes by. And I think we also understand that as we get older, too, it's inevitable that we realize that the world is broken in many different ways. When you first come into it as a child, you're like, man, everything's fun. Right? Everything is a playground. There could be, there could just be a, a plain out field out there and you're like, that field is my playground. Right? I'm having so much fun. Every every kid that you see becomes like a friend almost. And then as you get older, then circles start to develop, clicks start to develop, social economic status starts to develop. As you get even older and older, then your job status starts to, starts to develop and do I look like this people? I'm around this circle, right? There becomes this development of this, and I think that as we've grown older as, and become more adults, and we also start to understand, man, the world is broken and fractured in a lot more areas than I thought. And here's the thing about a broken and fractured world is in one way, shape, or form, every person in this room, if you're honest, is that you have experienced, you are experiencing, and you will experience brokenness in your life in some way, shape, or form. Now, you're like, Josh, what kind of gospel is this? I did not come here to be encouraged about brokenness. Well, here's the beautiful thing is brokenness is inevitable, but brokenness doesn't have to be your identity. Brokenness is something that you get to have an awareness of and this is something I wanna talk about this evening, and if you wanna write down notes, you can, but it's simply, oh, this morning, I apologize, so I usually preach in the evening, but this morning, <laughs> it is not sleeping time, it is not dinner time after this. Um, don't worry, football's coming on after. But if you can write a title, if you take out notes, just to help you remember what the Lord is speaking today is, I want you to write this down, it's a blessing in the brokenness. A blessing in the brokenness. Here's what we believe is that, in the same way that the world is inevitably broken, there's also a savior that came to be the healer of the world. Yeah. There's a savior that came, he took the keys, he took them from, from sin, from hell and the grave, from the, from the enemy and said that, you know what, I now hold the power of what was taken from me. And this is the beauty of this because in our brokenness, it becomes a doorway to God's blessing of Intimacy. It's not just the abundance of what happens on the outside of our life and the circumstance of our life, but the beauty, the blessing of being broken is it opens up something. Yeah. If you've ever seen a, a broken or, or a crack inside of a road, what happens is the road opens. In yeah. a sidewalk, it opens. If you get a fracture or a crack in the bone, what happens, well that thing is open, right? Sometimes you can slice right through it. There, there's something about the openness and in that openness, I want you to know is that that's the exact place where God desires to be with you. If you are broken in this place, it is also an opportunity for you to be blessed as you walk out of this place. Mm -hmm. And as we jump into this understanding of how God operates and that we're blessed in the brokenness, Psalms 34 verse 18 says simply this is, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. If you came in here broken, guess what? The Lord desires and is near to you. he desires to be close to your heart. He desires to be with you. But number two, he may actually be close to you. Your perspective may just not see him. Because we often look at brokenness as a problem more than the purpose of God in our life. And if we change our perspective to saying, man, there's something broken. There's a wound that's happening. There's a place that I am missing that, God, I'm really looking for you in it may look like it's coming at a different timetable, but can I tell you that the biggest thing of this all is that God is near to the places that are broken. And this is the good news of the gospel, okay? The, the, the good news of the gospel is, number one, that it is good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. That when you're talking about Jesus, when you're living for Jesus, when you get to be someone that is out in the public square or you're talking with friends or even in this place, is that the gospel should be good news. It should be something that when I have some news to tell you about Jesus, it's not this condemning matter. What what I'm very sick and tired of is this fear-led ministry where more people feel condemned about, you should be afraid of hell more than excited for heaven. We ought to change the narrative to, we're excited for the glory of Jesus that we get to be with in heaven. We're excited because when you get to do life with the Lord, he brings joy, he brings peace, he brings kindness to your soul, he brings the fruits of the spirit to your life, and we have to flip this this opposition into understanding it's an opportunity. This is the good news of the gospel, right? It's it's this good news that was prophesied in the Old Testament. So it made the baby leap in the womb of Elizabeth. It's a prophetic word and the promise that Isaiah talked about. And it's this good news right here is that in Isaiah 53, it says that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. This is an incredible Good news. Yes. That the blood is still the blood today. We, we have to be people that understand this, that, that receive this. And in fact, I think we have to be people that are constantly asking God, what is perspective of the blood that I don't see? There's something beautiful about, about when you learn something. There's something teachable about you when you say that I need to relearn something. Because when it comes to scripture, when it comes to the Bible, what I've learned is that there are many different perspectives for us to learn. When when you get to experience the peace of God, it doesn't mean that great, you've mastered the peace of God. Oh, I'll tell you the peace of God will come whenever you feel and you experience all different sorts of problems. One problem is not the answer and and not gonna be the the thing that tells you about the peace of God in its entirety. It's gonna be this thing where, where the Lord has different flavors and different ways to walk with you in this. So what does this look like? What, what does it look like to understand and know that there's a blessing in the brokenness? Is Well, first off, we want you to know that God is the God of the promise. God is the God of the promise. I remember going on missions out to, I believe it was the Dominican Republic, a few years ago. And when I was going out there... Uh, we, we had went to a few churches, and here's the thing about the Dominican Republic: there's a lot of people that are possessed. There's a lot of people that are oppressed. There's a lot of just demonic activity that happens over there. And me growing up with my whole family, my family was, uh, again, the missions kind of family, where it's like, hey, if there's demons there, we're going over there to set them free, right? I was like, okay, this is crazy. This literally looks like a movie, but in real life, right? There's no cameras, no Hollywood. This is not acting. This is the place of where a where, where, uh, spiritual warfare is going down. Yeah. So I remember going over, and it was the last night of this crusade, and I was like, hey, God, I believe that you're real, but this is a whole different ballgame. I'm not seeing my parents deliver people and set people free and tell the demons to flee. This is my turn now. Yeah. And it, I get to either choose that I'm gonna, I'm gonna step up in faith or I'm gonna flee, and I'm like, "Okay, this is gonna be my moment. So my friend, me and Tonio we're looking around. We're like, you know what? Tonight's gonna be the night we see something crazy. And we, we 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 we're walking around. We're praying for people, and people are just it's fallen in the spirit, and the Holy Spirit is doing incredible, beautiful work in the place. And we just hear on the far right of us, we just hear this screaming. And Tony and I, we look at each other. We're like, "This is it!" Yes. And so we run over there, and we, we 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 swim our way. And once we get over there, I see that there's this girl that she's laying on the ground, and uh. uh The way that she's laying the ground, you can just tell that she's possessed. She's screeching. People are having to hold her down. Uh, Her her face is on a whole different level. Her eyes, you just don't see it. It's just pure white, right? So it's genuinely like a a horror movie. And we go over there and we're like, we're going to pray. So Tony is like, well, I'm going to lay my my hand on her head. I was like, that's awesome. Where in the world am I going to lay my hand on then?" Because everybody else is holding her down. And I was like, "Uh, Lord, where do you want me to lay my hand? And he was like, laying on her belly. I was like, okay. So I, I laid my hand on her belly. I was like, Lord, is this it? And he's like, this is the place that I need my presence in. And I was like, okay. So I put my hand on her belly. And a little bit in me, right? There's this, there, there's this moment that I love about walking with the Lord is you don't all of a sudden become like a, like a possessed uh, person that walks by faith either. There's this consciousness where it's like, okay, like this is faith, but like, God, is this real, right? This is faith, but like, yo, Josh speaking here, what's going on, right? And I was like, okay, if this is it, I'm going to test you a little bit, right? I, I just want to test you, not out, of, not out of doubt, but of like, is this really the place? I want to see if this is kind of manifesting. So I start raising my hand up, and her stomach starts falling with me. And I start going even higher and higher, and I was like, is this a game? I don't know, but I'm going to see how high I can go. So she starts <laughs> going a little more and more. And I was like, okay, okay, chill, 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 right? I'm like, we might break her back. So I lower that, and I was like, that right there is... The ex- yeah, yeah, it's demonic. But I'm also like, but that's the place where God desires to be. Yeah. Right? If, if the demons are there, yeah. that demons and the way that they look for is they're looking for brokenness. They want for, for places to be broken. And I was like, okay, but that's also the place that the Lord wants to be. So I remember we just prayed. And as we just prayed and we continued to contend in faith, all of a sudden there became just a peace. And a peace. And you start seeing her skin just a flush. Started getting really white. She was super hot, like her, like her, her skin and her temperature was just burning. And then she got super cold. She settled down, and her tears just started going down her face. And then she just started crying. But it wasn't a crying out of a screeching. It was a crying out of like I've just been set free. There was this peace of God. Right? Come on, praise God. And in that moment, it was two people that got to experience that God truly is the God of the promise of what he says in scripture. It was that she got to experience that, yes, the demons that He that the Lord has come to do a healing work in people. But also for me too, I understand that, yeah, in the same way that Jesus says, hey, you are to do even greater works than I did here on this world. And by sending the Holy Spirit that's empowered to be in you, is there were two people that got to experience the promise. Yeah. And I want you to understand this morning, is that the promise is not just for those that you're supposed to minister to, yeah. but it's also for the ones that are called to minister. Yeah, that's good. Is that you get to learn the promise and the promise is for everybody, that God truly is the God of the promise.
1: Yeah, yeah. Something I love about that is exactly what you just brought up, that the promise is personal. Um, it's something that I believe God lays on each of His kids. He's like, here, here's a, here's a mandate, here's a promise. Like, He wants us to see what, he, what we want to do with it. Um, something I tell young adult girls that come up to me and just talk and, you know, have different questions and things, and they're asking, like, questions about, like, should I take this job, should I not? Like, stuff like that, life questions, is something I've noticed the Lord do in my own life as you're led by the Holy Spirit is a lot of times he puts something before me and he doesn't tell me what to do with it. He just sees what I do with it. So maybe it's this phone or not a phone. If you're a kid and you get a toy truck, um, you're at, as parents, I'm not a parent, but I know because my dad did this with me, is he wanted to see what I would do with it. how I would enjoy the truck, how would I play with it? Would I go to friends and play with it with them? Like, he wasn't like, okay, Becca, you have to play with it like this. You have to, this is how you open the trunk. This is how you do this. Like, no, he was a hands-off dad because he wanted me to just live and do life. And he created us as beautiful, creative beings and uniquely on purpose. He doesn't want Mama Calm to play with the truck like he wants me to play with the truck. Like, he wants us as individuals to be willing to get a promise from God and see what we do with it. It's not like, oh God, because I remember, oh man, so many times in my life where I would get ready like, want to do something, and I'd be like, God, but is this the right thing? Is, there, is this the right thing? And the devil was just so loud in my mind. I'm like, Oh, you might mess up. Like, God's going to get you. You might do something wrong. Like, all of this stuff, when that was never the Lord's leading. And I thought in myself, oh, God, you're going to be so disappointed if I don't steward this correctly or if I don't make the right choice. And God never puts those thoughts in our minds that are like, ooh, you better be careful. Like, that's never God. <laughs> that's not his voice. And so in the promises and in the things that he lays on your heart, really listen to his voice and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you on, oh, that's my father, and that's the devil. Because he'll play those games. He'll try to be God. He tries to talk like God, so we listen. <laughs> you know, but we got to know God's character. So that was something. With God is the God of the promise, so, he helps us, walks us through how to enjoy that promise, how to reap the benefits yeah. of the promise, how to live in the
0: promise. Yeah. So that was really good. And it's important for us to know that his promises are yes and amen. Yeah. And here's the thing. We, we know this. In fact, it's a promise that he says that my, my word is yes and amen, right? So there, he almost puts a promise on top of the promise, yes. which is incredible. <laughs> but here's the thing about the promise that we often have to be careful about as believers. Is that sometimes we say that, God, you got this promise for me, so I expect you to just give it to me. Mm-hmm. God, if this is a promise and this is your character, you have to prove how good of a God that you are by how much you love me, by giving me your promise. Yeah. And, and then, we, th- what does this mean? It means that we have to have God prove who he is by his works. That, that we become th- this people that are like, hey God, if I just believe in you or if I just pray for you in this, my prayer to you is gonna be like me putting a dollar in a vending machine so that I just get something back. I-, I want you to know that God is not a bank. Mm-hmm. God is not someone who's transactional. God is relational. Yeah. And here's the thing about God being the God of the promise is that we have to understand the second aspect is that God is the God of the process. Yeah. Here's the thing about every promise that we have to understand in our life, is that the promise of God is not for us as just to be able to take it in so that we can continue to sin freely, but it's for us to live freely. And for us to be people that live freely, many times does not require us to receive something, but for us to embody something. And this embodiment of Jesus is what sets us free. But when, when it comes to God being the God of the process, here's, here's two ways that we often see the process and our lives is, number one, I think about it, it's like a car wash. Anybody ever gotten their car wash washed before? You can Raise your hand for me. Good. Come on. Amazing. They didn't raise their hand. If someone wants to start a car business, you can go ahead and wash their cars. But in, in a car wash, what do you do is you can drive through a car wash, right? Car wash, you pay whatever money. And as you drive through, it cleans your car. Right, it does little uh, wiggly lines that it does on the top. It does the most colorful soaps that you'll get to see, and it makes you even feel like you sprayed some Febreze on the outside. Right, smells good, looks good, shines good. And here's the thing: is the car wash only cleans the outside? And I think that we all know that just because something looks clean on the outside doesn't mean it's operating well on the inside. Just because something is clean on the outside and what everybody else's perspective sees is they see a clean car from the outside. But who sees the inside? It's the people that gets in it. It's you that drives in it every day. Mm -hmm. It's you that gets to decide, man, I'm okay with having the crackers and all that in in my car constantly. Now, I understand that there are different seasons of life where, hey, if you've got kids, you've got children, it's constantly going to be messy. We totally get it. But... There's another kind of cleaning of the car. And then there's that detailing aspect. If anybody ever got your your car detailed before and thoroughly detailed, is that I've seen videos and and we've had moments to where as our car is being detailed, sometimes they will take the seats outside of the car so they can vacuum everything. They will like dismantle your car in order for your car to be clean. I'm like, hey, do your thing. I'm I'm paying you so make sure it stays clean on the inside. Here's the thing about cleaning on the inside is that whenever it really matters about what the car and the vehicle is used for, is that when people get inside of it, they're not walking into something that's messy. They're not walking into something that hasn't been attended to. And this is the process that we often neglect, is that we're people that would have accolades and names and titles and achievements for, for people to know us by. But what about our character? What is the character that people will live and know us as. We have to be people that aren't just cleaning up on the outside, but that we're also allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work on the inside, and this work that we get to do with the Lord on the inside of our hearts, again, it's not for the Lord to do everything, it's actually this 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9 that he asks us to, and and it says that, for we are co-workers and God's servers, and you are God's field and God's building, right? He desires for us to be co-labors. He's designed a life for us to be co-laborers. He didn't call you to be Uh co-lazy. He doesn't say, hey, just have faith and then hope that it comes to pass. He says that faith without works is dead. And you have to be someone that doesn't just ask for the anointing, but you have to be someone that also applies the word of God. To ask for anointing is simply just asking for the entitlement of the Holy Spirit, But we're not asking for the entitlement of the Holy Spirit. We're also looking for application in the anointing, right? That is the the embodiment of the works of the Spirit saying that, God, we are co-laborers. It is you and me doing a work in my life together. You want to do an incredible work where you make me clean. Well, God, I'm also going to be a part of you helping me get clean. I'm going to invite you. I'm going to welcome you into my life. I want to welcome you into the places, and the moments, and the circumstances That I get to be a part of in my everyday world, whether it's it's at the job place, whether it's at the home place, whether it's just in the public place of a a grocery store, is that God, I desire for you to be there. We're your co-laborers in my life and wherever I go.
1: Yeah, I'm going to jump in real quick. Sorry. Um, Also on the process, God doesn't want us to go mountaintop to mountaintop. He wants the whole journey, all the way. Adventures and movies, really good movies, have ups and they have downs. And we all know the down is coming because it can't be this good. It's gotta have like a climax. And then it ends really well, right? Something that the Lord showed me a couple years ago, actually when we were dating, is walking the adventure with the Lord. That adventures have ups, adventures have downs. But when they're with the Lord, they always end well. They always end good. They never end on a bad note or sad, because God doesn't take us on bad adventures. But he needs us to go on those ups so we learn, and on those downs so we learn. Like, he seriously, when he said, God is a God of the process, he doesn't want just like, okay, everything's hunky-dory. You don't need to work on anything. Like are you kidding me? No. He wants to sharpen us. He wants to grow us. He wants to stretch us. He wants you uncomfortable. (laughs) He doesn't want you comfortable. Like if you're comfortable right now, you should literally check your heart and check your spirit and see the last thing God told you to do and did you do it? Because it was probably something that was uncomfortable. It wouldn't have been something of comfort because God doesn't keep people the way they are. He never wants Josh and I to stay exactly where we're at right now. Are you kidding me? Like, in moments of worship, I'm just like, God, because you know he pulls on your heart in worship. If you're really worshiping and focusing in, you know he's telling you something. (laughs) Something to grow in, something to do. He's laying something on your heart. And he's watching to see what you do with it. He's watching. So anyways, be excited that God wants the ugly part of the process, the pretty part of the process. He wants the entire thing. He's not like, oh, Becca, you're doing so good right now. I love you so much. Let's yeah. spend time together. And then when I'm not doing good, he escapes. Are you kidding me? No. And y'all know this. But I just want to stretch, like, enjoy the process. God loves every single little thing. Dirt speck of the process. He is in that just like he's in the other the other things. So, oh, it's it's such a full life when we allow him to walk with us. Yeah, he wants to.
0: Yep, and that's one thing we have to be careful for is as as life gets good with the Lord, sometimes familiarity can kill conviction because sometimes we get way too comfortable about the blessings of God that we forget to be in the places that are broken. We have to be people that don't just, and, and yes, the Lord wants to bless you. And I, I'm telling you, he wants to bless you financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, mentally, and every single way he wants to bless you. But here's the the, the flip side of the blessing is, the blessing means that you're also blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. That, that you're blessed to not just sit on, on the goodness of the Lord, but for you to be someone that provides the goodness of the Lord. And so when it comes to the God of of the promise is that we also understand that God is a God of the process, and what does this process look like as we walk life together well here 's the thing about a broken world is that we need people that walk with people really good yeah. it 's it's that simple right we, we know that the the great commandment is to love the Lord right and to love people. you love God and you love people but here 's the thing about the great commandment, the great commandment also comes with a great commission. Because a commandment is here is this vision of the purpose of your life. But the great commission is here is the goal, here is the assignment, here is what nothing else matters more than this right here and how you see it happen. And it's a great commission. It's a Matthew 28, 19 through 20, to go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey every word he's commanded to do. And surely he will be with you to the end of the age. Right? This is the application of the vision and the character and the heart of God. To love God and to love people. Can I tell you, if you love God, you will love people. Mm -hmm. If you are holding back. Oh, I feel it's very strongly. Just for the generation as a whole. I might. I might. This is a little slippery. (laughs) But when it comes to the inevitable, here's the thing about God, there, there's inevitable fruit that follows. When, when it comes to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, fruit is to be, to, to be uh, uh, grown. When it comes to you loving the Lord, it results, the fruit of loving God and the love of God is to love his people. And if you are not loving his people, it's not that you're lacking on experiencing the love of God, it could be simply that you're ignoring the application phase wow. that requires you to be known as a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. And this is where we have to get really good at loving people. Loving people has no borders. Loving people has no status. Loving people has no, did you, did you go through a pre-screening phase? Can I tell you that, that your enemy that you may not like could be your neighbor in heaven one day because you both believe in Jesus. Yeah. So you better get ready. When it comes to this, what does this look like to love people well? If you want to love God really well, you're going to love people. And if you want to love people really good, God's your first love. And when it comes to us loving people really well, as it sounds like this, it's discipleship. Yeah. And this is the main boat that we want you to carry here is discipleship. Now yeah. discipleship is a key phrase in a word that we have heard many times in the word. And I think that we know it's, hey, I want to be a disciple, right? We hear that the disciples follow Jesus. But have you ever thought about what it is to be a disciple and to go and make disciples? So have you ever prioritized your mission that God has commanded you to do? See, when it comes to the great commission, it is a commission. It is a co laboring with the mission. If you've ever been given a mission, if you've ever been given, uh, here is your job duty for today, the job duty for you today or whatever you're supposed to do at work, that is your mission. You make sure you get that mission done. You make sure you get that goal done. But when it comes to you being a believer, the goal as a believer should be wherever you go, whatever you do. It should also come with you going and making disciples in whatever area and realm that you get to be in. If you're in government, great. Go make governmental disciples of Jesus. If if you get to operate in schools, great. Go make children disciples of Jesus. If you're in a church, this is what we're here for, for, to build spiritual formation in you to go and make disciples wherever you go. If you're at a gas station and you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit, great. Guess what? Go invite them to become a disciple. Now, I wouldn't recommend saying, hey, you want to go be a disciple of Jesus? That may come off weird, okay? They may be like, what in the world are you talking about? Have an understanding of cultural today. But wherever we go is to make people, and what is discipleship? Discipleship is to spiritually format them or to serve for spiritual formation for them to look more like Jesus. So they're meant to be lovers of God, lovers of God's people, and to multiply that. And so when it comes to discipleship, the goal of, of discipleship is spiritual formation to help develop the maturity of the believer. And the spiritual maturity is simply this right here, to write this down, mark it down for the rest of your life, is to do what you're responsible for consistently. Spiritual maturity, to do what you're responsible for consistently. You know what you're supposed to pray? Great. Take on the responsibility of praying consistently. You know that you're responsible for loving the Lord? Great. Make it consistent throughout your day to love the Lord. You know you're supposed to love people. You want to be a spiritually mature person, you can consistently do it. Right? When it comes to practical maturity, we know that maturity is first, we are we are going from we are just laying around and rolling around to we learn how to crawl and from crawling to walking, walking to running. Running to, we learn how to brush our teeth. We learn how to shower ourselves. Praise God, hallelujah. As you get older, you learn that you need to put on some deodorant, right? As you get older too, then you, you learn that, man, I need to be able to take on the, the financial duties or whatever that I'm supposed to. This is maturity, right? You learn what you're responsible for. And what happens when you don't do what you're responsible for? you going to smell bad. You're going to have... Uh, you're going you're gonna to jump into some trouble with the police. You're going to j- jump into some some government problems. You're going to have to pay more than you were supposed to. Why? Because you are consistent with the responsibility that you were supposed to have as you mature. And so when it comes to this aspect of being spiritually mature, there are probably things, and I, I say this in, in an encouraging way, but there are things and moments that maybe the Lord wants to entrust you with, but he can't give it to you yet. There are blessings you've been asking for. God, I want this blessing, but he can't trust you with it yet because you're not being consistent about the things that you're supposed to be responsible for. God's not going to give you a Porsche if you haven't even learned how to drive yet. And Sometimes we were asking for a title. We're asking for an influence. God, trust me to be an influence within this area. But he's saying that but will you allow me to influence you on the daily as you and I fellowship together? Before I can entrust you to be a great voice to other people, will you submit to my voice every day? So we have to be people that grow in spiritual maturity to do what you're responsible for consistently. But there's a great divide in this. The great divide is this, is that common knowledge is not always common practice. As you've grown up, you know that you're supposed to be brushing your teeth. But as a teenager, has anybody ever had 100% participation in brushing your teeth? Right, as you get older, you know that you're not supposed to be speeding. But how many of us have 100%? Oh yeah, the the, the quietness in the room is speaking loud right now. Is that we participate in this responsibility? As we go throughout life and we see that someone may need prayer, they're going through a hard time, do we, do we ask the Lord, hey God, is there a place or is there a moment for me to get to minister in love with this person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, common knowledge is not always common practice. And this is the divide is we do have this free will. Mm-hmm. But this free will is the opportunity that you either get to experience, man, I'm gonna be someone that follows in the discipleship of Jesus or I'm gonna make my own decision of being a disciple of my own decisions and my own feelings of what I feel like is most appropriate in this moment. Ultimately, in the most heaviest sense, you deciding who's king of you in that moment. Is it the commands of Jesus? Or is it the commands of your own voice and feelings? And here's what I want you to understand is inadequacy is the lie of the enemy. Because here's the thing, whenever you walk in life with Jesus, you don't operate by your inadequacy. You operate by the strength that is made perfect in your weakness. And so when it comes to you having moments where you get to love on people, moments that, God, I don't know if I'm set up to be able to lead at the company like this, moments that I'm able to handle transition, or moments that, God, God, as as a family member, as as a father or as a mother, God, I feel inadequate. Guess what? You are inadequate Mm -hmm. as a human being. But when you are in a co-laboring with Christ Jesus and he is your king, inadequacy is a human truth. But then the truth that is above the truth is that there is, a, there is a strength from the Holy Spirit that is greater than your inadequacy. There is always truth and there is a higher truth of the world that we live in, right? There is the practicalness of what happens here in life and then there's the purpose of God that should supersede the practicality of life. And when it comes to this is We have to be people that learn this, and we learn this in discipleship. It's a learning aspect of, God, your ways are higher than my ways. God, your direction is my greatest direction. God, I have this this experience that I've walked in life, but I'm not going to be a person that simply is walking by experience. We're people that are walking by faith and not by sight. And to walk by faith is to embody the word of God. It's to take a hold of what that looks like. So what does that look like to be a person that actually takes on this mandate of discipleship, takes it serious, that the greatest influence of your life and the greatest leadership is going to be your discipleship? So number one, it's going to be that you take evangelism for real. Yeah. Evangelism has to be for real. Mark 16 verse, verse 15 says to go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation because evangelism leads to conversion. When it it comes to people being a disciple, you can't be a disciple without being a believer first. I think we all know that. But I think it's very important for us to get back to the basics and just be able to recall this. And as we're people that walk in discipleship, the first and most important thing is I'm not just going to have people that don't believe in Jesus. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you're going to believe in Jesus. You're going to have the values of Jesus. You're going to be able to, to embody and be an image bearer of Jesus and we, we want to convert you from being a non-believer to a believer. But after conversion comes establishment. Right? There's evangelism, there's establishment. And Colossians 2, verse 6-7 through says, Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Because establishment leads to discipleship. Conversion is one thing, but conversion isn't discipleship. Discipleship is, we're walking together. It's the first Corinthians 11, Apostle Paul writing, follow me as I follow Christ. Because if I could create a chart here, leadership is discipleship. Some of you guys know that by John Maxwell, right? Leadership is, is influence. And the greatest influence Jesus saw is for him to go and make disciples. So he, he made 12, and 12 is a full-time job. So leadership was discipleship, but discipleship is followership. Follow me as I follow Christ. Because when it comes to us being humans, when it comes to this aspect of we're we're here to love on one another because none of us are Jesus, is that we have to be people that are saying that as I grow in spiritual maturity, my spiritual maturity comes from how I follow the Lord. And as I'm following the Lord, who else am I looking for to follow the Lord with me? So we have to be people that take this real, take this leadership that's on your life. If, if we go according to the leadership law of John Maxwell, what he says that leadership is influence, that means that every person in this place has the opportunity of influence. You've got the opportunity to influence the world. You've got an opportunity to influence on social media. You've got the opportunity to influence wherever you are. And here, Here's the thing about what we're experiencing in the world today is we understand that here in America, I don't know about the rest of the world, but here in America, there's a battle of unity. And you want to talk about influence, Influence flows best through the, through the vehicle of unity. Here's, here's the attack of the enemy is we're seeing a 50% divorce rate in America. That means one half of families right now in the, in the, in the process that we're going are coming from broken families, disunified families. It, it looks like that that we're, we're operating and trying to, to disciple people while being okay with our own individual homes and lives may look broken. Here's the incredible concept of the gospel. John chapter 13, verse 34 says that everyone will know that you are my disciples. Sorry, verse 35 says that by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In other translations, it says by how you are unified with one another. It's this unity aspect. It's this connection aspect. It's the beauty of what's happening in this church right now where we've got multiple generations in this place. But here's the thing about multiple generations in this place is sometimes we, we have to be careful that our perspective is not this generation is better than this generation. It can't be that, man, this generation of mill- millennials, man, millennials work so hard. Man, Gen X, boomers, we work so hard. We put our hands on and guess what you did? But just because, you, and I'm going to be very cautious of this, but I want you to know, just because you worked harder doesn't mean that you are better. Right. The call of a generation to a generation is not about how you can be better than someone else. It's about how you can make generations to come become better. Because yeah. the legacy of your life will not be the life that you live. It will be the life that you give. Yes. And when it comes to this aspect of discipleship and what is so needed today. Well, when you go to Barna studies, when it comes to people that are truly being discipled within within Gen Z, so I'm just talking next generation, I'm talking your children, I'm talking your grandchildren, Gen Alpha. We're looking at the, the percentage of this, is that 20% of Gen Z or younger is actually getting discipled. And discipleship through I have someone that is leading me to be more like Christ. It is me being my word consistently. It is me being connected in a community consistently. And it's me gathering with intentional conversations on how to grow more like Jesus. We're looking at, and this is within the church, 20% of the next generation is actually doing discipleship. And here's the thing about, here's the crazy thing that I need you to understand. The most important mission that that God saw here on this earth, other than saving our souls, is discipleship. Mm -hmm. He saw the movement of God be blessed and granted and to be an anointing on the 12 disciples. Yes, one one turned away, but the other 11 would to be the people that flipped the world upside down. The reason Vision Church is here today is because of disciples that gathered together in Acts chapter 2. The reason you are hearing and experiencing the goodness of God today is because of disciples that were willing to do this discipleship work. Pastor Phil and Nicole, I'm sorry. No, 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 keep going. I was going to say, Pastor Phil and Nicole, they are disciples because they've been discipled, who have had people that discipled them, who have people that discipled them, who who have people that discipled them. The legacy of Jesus and the lineage mm-hmm. of the generational blessing that is meant for you and your children and your children's children comes through the realm of discipleship. Yeah. And so when it comes to, to you being people that love the Lord, discipleship is going to be real for you. Mm-hmm. And if you want to love people really well, you want to love your children, you want to leave a legacy that lasts It's gonna come from you being someone that says, hey, I'm not just gonna take discipleship as something that just sounds really good and I hope that you learn it from the word. Discipleship takes relationship. Because that's the same model that Jesus did it Mm -hmm. with his disciples.
1: Yeah, discipleship's not just sitting in a church, by the way. I used to think uh, to be a disciple or just if discipleship was brought up that it was a Christian buzzword a little bit. Because I was like, yeah, discipleship, that's what we do. We go to church. We are disciples of Christ. That's about it. Um, And then I married this guy. (laughs) And seriously, discipleship is one of like the top things we even talk about, I feel like, from stage now. Because we are disciples and Jesus literally told us to disciple others. Mm -hmm. So if we are not discipling young adults, what are we doing? There's literally no growth happening. There's literally nothing happening if you're not discipling others. We are just creating a fun event on a Thursday night. And people keep coming to this fun event on a Thursday night. If there's no discipleship happening, there's no change. Then it's not God's plan. It's not his purpose. His purpose was go and disciple. I'm a Christian today. I believe the word of God because I was discipled by people that loved the word, that walked me through, hey, here's what God showed me. Here's the word, and here's what he says here about this topic. Here's what he says here about this topic. Yeah. Something I loved about Josh when we were dating was he was a part of something called man manhood. It's called manhood. Yeah. He was like, I got to meet with my guys. We're doing manhood this week. And I'm like, what in the world is manhood? Like, what is this thing? And it literally was his boss, who's like three years, four years older than you? Yeah, four. Four years older. He literally picked 10 guys. And every week they would meet. And they would go out to lunch and literally talk through Christian topics. And literally walk through discipleship. I remember being like what in the world like that literally happens Mm -hmm. that's something you do yeah and they would bring up different topics here and there and they were all different guys like different backgrounds like the commonality was jesus (laughs) it literally was just like we all love god and they all had like all this stuff going on and now years later he now meets with like 10 guys every monday at lunch And they literally, like, they're committed. One of the guys, he leads worship on main stage at Victory. And he is so like, oh, I'm here, discipleship. Like, they know it's discipleship. They're not just meeting to connect. Like, they're literally not meeting just to chat about what's going on at the church. (laughs) They're literally sitting down, discipling one another. And I was like, what in the world? Wait a second. This is what God meant by discipleship to literally walk People hand-in-hand hand to Jesus, what? Like, I just thought being a Christian was you come and you sit at church and you love on the Lord with all you've got for yourself. But we're not called just to be a disciple, we're called to disciple. So if we're not discipling, and I know Vision Church, and I love this church so much, and something I love seeing is, my brother actually taught me this so well, is he works at Sam's Furniture, And he would walk with these guys. Like, literally, he would tell us, because I was like, oh my word, Z, like, you have all, like, these guys that just, like, you know, want to hang out with you all the time. And he literally would, like, preach Jesus to them, but not preach in, like, a preachy way. He would just live Jesus. And he would say, it's like me holding their hand, and I'm holding Jesus' hand up here, and I'm holding them like this until I can connect Jesus' hand with their hand. He's, like, sticking until I get it. You stick until they get it, right? We're not called to just, all right, I'm believing God for healing by myself. Like, are you kidding me? Jesus walked with the 12. He lived with the 12. He dealt with the dirt of the 12. He dealt with the great things of the 12. Like, ah, it's literally walking life with people and being like, no, I really love Jesus and here's why. And so let me tell you, do you have any questions? Like, let's chat. And it's not even a I'm up here, you're down here. No, (laughs) no, 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 no. It's literally we're here together trying to learn more and more about him and I wanna walk it with you and do it with you. We really felt this morning to um, bring up discipleship because we don't want this to be something that just like is by the wayside and that you come here just because it's cool or fun. Like no, discipleship is sharpening. Discipleship is what we're called to do. So maybe God's laying some people on your heart right now and you're like, you know, I've been discipled a little bit and I've got enough that if they have questions, I'm going to be able to answer them. I'm going to be able to be that person that can walk with them. Check your heart right now because you know God is laying someone, even if it's one person on your heart, that's like, they've come up to me ever so often and I never really grabbed a hold of, oh, that's what's happening is they're they're asking, they're curious, they need to know more about the Lord. And it's not just get them saved, get them saved. Like, come on, we are saved in this house, let's go. But Jesus is like, hey, walk with them. Show them what it looks like to live my kingdom here on the earth. That status quo is not okay. That we can live in healing. We can live in the promises. We can live in the process together. Together, the process together. So anyways, just wanted to kind of help break that down. What I love is there's two different perspectives. So I hope that we were able to touch the whole room um, out of my perspective and Josh's and in that realm. But yeah. yeah.
0: And as we take some time to close here, I thank you so much. You came at the perfect time, by the way. Uh, That's also probably the timer as well. But uh, ultimately in all of this, I hope you understand that loving the Lord looks like loving people. And that loving people looks like discipleship. Yeah, well, whatever you believe in, whatever you do is whatever you, and whatever you love the most is you want them to be just like it, right? And when it comes to, and have you grown up, you might've grown up a Packers fan, you might've grown up a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you might've grown up a Bears fan. My parents, when we came here to America, they knew nothing about the NFL, okay? So I took it on myself living in Chicago. Here's the crazy thing is I was like, I like purple and gold, so I'm going to be a Vikings fan. If you know anything about football, you cannot be a fan of Minnesota football in Chicago. So very quickly I learned I'm a a Chicago Bears fan. And I'm like, I'm going to be a fan of Chicago Bears. Why? Because I'm like, this is just it, right? This is the right way. And here's the thing about this is now with my wife, my wife, she's got fans of people that are like, listen, you're going to be a Bears fan too, though. You can cheer for the Chiefs. That's great. Travis, Kelsey, all that shebang with, with Taylor Swift. Cool. Whatever you want to do. But you're going to be at least be a, a, a co laborer in being a Bears fan with me. Yeah. And my future kids, they're going to be Bears fans. They already are. I spoke in Jesus' name. They're already going to be Bears fans. Okay. But, but there's something about, man, what, what you take on, what you embody, what you, what you say that, man, like I am now a fan of, I am now a part of, I'm an affiliate of, is that you also go and multiply what you're a part of. Here, here's the scary aspect that we have to be very cautious about is that we are looking at a, at a detrimentally low statistic where Christian believers, through a Barna study, less than 30% of Christian believers in the church can memorize or have memorized and know the Great Commission. Now, this is not condemnation to you all, but if you were to work at McDonald's and some of most of us in this room, if not all of us, have not or do not work at McDonald's right now, but you know that their mission is to ba ba ba. I'm loving it, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, you know what a burger is, just like you like it. <laughs> you know all these fast food restaurants. You know these slogans, different areas. But can do, can you say what the mission and the slogan is of God's vision of loving God and loving people through the Great Commission? you don't, I think we ought to get better at that. You can memorize scripture. You can memorize his promises. But do you remember how he's called you to walk through the process of life through discipleship? Here's what I know is praise God his grace is efficient every day. But if I wasn't walking out the mission of the company that I worked at, I'd be fired. Boss would be like, hey, you don't even know our values. You, you may know that this, this is our vision, but do you know the mission of this place? And I'm telling you that the mission that God wants to co-labor, co-mission with you is that you be people that are walking with the Lord in discipleship. When you look around this room, and this us be the last thing before I just do a quick response is, when you look around this room, I oh, want you to look at these empty seats. What's beautiful is that these empty seats, some of you may have set them, and if you did, thank you so much. But here's the thing about these empty seats. These empty seats aren't just for people to sit their butts in. What I like to see is we've created a place that the potential of a disciple could sit there, they're just not there yet. But they don't just magically pop there. It requires us to go and make fishers of men. It requires us to go out and say, hey, I wanna invite you not just to an experience, but to Jesus. I want you to experience community. I want you to experience that John 13, they're gonna know how we're your disciples, about how we love one another. I want you to experience what healthy community actually looks like. I want you to experience the love of the Father that transcends all that I walk through, all that I go through. It's, it's places where, when I look at seats now, seats are meant to serve as places that people are supposed to sit at. And Man, I really hate for us to be missing out on spaces that are empty because we never went out to fill them up with hearts and lives that God desires to be in this place to build disciples of.